0: Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. We're starting, uh, we finished up a series last week, starting uh, a... I don't know how long this will go, actually, um, but it's a, a whole lot of it's about what we're called to do. Thank you, Zach. Um, and first off, we are called to ministry, and you know when you look at the scheme of things, that's that's our big calling. You know, we've got the Great Commission. You know, go into all the world, preach the gospel, that kind of thing. But basically, we're called to minister. Uh, Paul talks about it this way in Second Corinthians, and I, I didn't. I've got a lot of scriptures today, so I didn't. I didn't want to just overload them back there with scriptures today. But Paul talks about it in Second Corinthians, and he's talking about. Um, what the lord did for us talking about that he paid the, the ultimate price and and he we'll just start second corinthians chapter five start about midway of the chapter and it says so um at one point at one time we thought of christ merely from a human point of view in other words he was man he died all that kind of stuff and it says how differently we know him now talking about if we are in relationship with him And this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person a new creature a new creation in Christ The old life is gone and a new life has begun and all of this Is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ And God has given us this task the ministry of reconciliation and it says for god was in christ and reconciling the world to himself no longer counting his his people sin against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation in other words we're called to ministry and that ministry is now that we know the truth now that we know what christ has done for us that we go out and and we do that so let's pray this morning then we'll get into the message father thank you for what we feel this morning thank you for meeting us here thank you for being a part of every day in our lives and lord is this morning is we're just uh, you know every heart and lord you know how needy we are so would you meet us at the point of that need would you come in here and minister to every person and lord would you let us be able to leave here with a clearer sense of our hope and that is the fact that you're coming back to get us Lord, would you let us leave here with a greater sense of your mercy and how much you love us and how awesomely big your grace is. And so, Lord, we thank you in advance for the great things you're going to do. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So if he has called us and we realize that he's called us into ministry, first thing we've got to do is figure out what ministry is and and basically it comes down to this that ministry the the literal definition of being a ministry is to be a servant to be an attendant or one who executes the commands of another if you look that up that's going to be your definition that you will get and sometimes we uh in church world we we have come to the point in our day and our time that we we look at ministry or a minister is kind of a noun and not a verb okay we don't do ministry we have a minister that does those kinds of things when God has called us all into ministry and um Zach and I were talking about this message and and, uh, what we're going to do over the next few weeks and I was telling him that really and truly you you have to have this is one of those times whenever you have to dig a little deep And you have to realize that we as born-again believers, we need to have a theology of ministry In other words, what is ministry? Okay, it means i'm a servant or one who executes the will of another We've talked about it over the last few weeks. Jesus said if you love me, you're going to do what I command And what did he command us to do love one another? When he was asked what is the greatest command? It was this love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself so it comes down to that's his biggest command, is that we love. And the ministry really and truly encompasses all of that. Because if, if, if we are going to truly be ministers, if we are truly going to be involved in ministry, the ministry of reconciliation that he's called us into, then there's really three facets to that. Number one, that we minister to the Lord. And as I was sharing this with Zach, he said, you know, I really never thought about us ministering to the Lord we always think about the lord ministering to us but ultimately what we owe him and what we're called to do is minister to the lord how do we minister to him in praise and worship in other words that we acknowledge him we acknowledge who he is that we acknowledge how high above us he is his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts sometimes we make god into man And especially in this day and time, I think the gospel has minimized God and maximized human power. If you listen to sermons these days, it's all, you can do it. You, you, you know, you live your best life. No slurs intended there. (laughs) But here's the deal. We can't live that best life unless we've got God in it. And, and if you get into the Bible, the Bible maximizes God and minimizes human effort. Our righteousness, what I can do, is nothing but filthy rags. The best that I can do, the most awesome thing that Philip Reed can do, Paul says it this way, it's nothing but poop. If you're reading the King James Version, it's going to call it dung. Dung. But let's get it out there and look at it like it is. The greatest thing that I can accomplish in and of myself is absolutely rubbish compared to what God does. So let's, let's put God in his proper place. Let's, 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 how awesome he is. I mean, amazing. Fantastic. Any great adjective that you can pin on him he fits the bill he is absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me or to you and so we owe that to him we owe him if we're going to minister to the lord how do we do it we read that that scripture last week that that he can't he doesn't live in temples made by human hands and and human hands can't serve him so how do we serve him how do we minister to him by just praising and worshiping And then, that's the first facet of ministry. The second facet is, what what do we owe to each other? And you've heard me talk about this often. Of all the things that the Bible tells us to do, to love one another, serve one another, honor one another, prefer one another, lift one another up, pray for one another. I mean, and it goes on and on and on. We could spend the rest of the time that we have this morning talking about all the things that we owe for one another. And so that's ministry. How do I minister to you? How do you minister to me? By praying for one another. By lifting one another up. By honoring one another. By lifting one another up. And you know, if somebody falls. How many of you, we won't ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you ever done something that you know wouldn't please the Lord? And how many of you really appreciated the rest of the body of Christ? looking down on you and saying my 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 hadn't you messed up amen so how do you minister to somebody in that you lift them up you know it's you've heard me say that i don't care if you make a profession of faith in christ a thousand times as long as the the thousand and one works amen if you fall down get back up if you fall off the wagon just don't get tangled up in the wheel Amen. I've dealt with people in, in so many different situations. And sometimes we, we fall off the wagon or we fall down and, and we just think, well, I just can't do this. This just can't happen in my life. I'm I'm not able to walk this walk. Yes, you are. Not by yourself, but with the Holy Spirit in us. Again, I'm I'm my biggest thing is I, I'm not I'm not prompting you to be spiritual. I'm prompting you to be spirit-filled. Amen. Because that's the only way we can do this. That's the only way we can get through this life. It's the only. Hey, life is tough. How many of you? That was just a new revelation for you. No, no, none of us. We we have lived it. We know life is tough. I mean, there's sometimes yeah, everything's peachy and grand and my 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 and life good, but there's other times when it just sucks. And the only way you can get through that time is whenever you allow the Holy Spirit to take control, to give you that temperance, to give you that perseverance, to give you the ability to go above and beyond what you could do. And so what we've got to do, we minister to the Lord in praise and praise worship. We minister to each other in fellowship and, and everything that goes on along with that. Fellowship and discipleship. Discipleship is helping one another come further go further faster That's the reason we do bible studies. It's the reason we do things together The the fellowship or the the get coming together of the believers the the original word there is Kononia and it means so much more than fellowship because we think of a fellowship as where everybody brings a potluck, you know Covered dish and a dessert and we get together we sit down and eat That's not what fellowship is. That's part of it and and a a really favorite part of mine, I don't know about you. I like the the good eats, the good groceries that that uh, everybody in the church fixes. But you know what? That's just a part of it. The, the kononia is the best definition that there is. It's that little something something that happens whenever God's people gets together. Amen. There's not really a better definition than that. Because whenever the Spirit in you meets the Spirit in me, there's something, you know, if you you stop and think about it, whenever you meet somebody that's a believer, there's just that little jump inside of you. When you realize, hey, when John the Baptist was still in his mother's womb and Mary came and said, hey, I'm with child, and this angel appeared, what happened? John the Baptist left in in the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. It's just the announcement of it. So if we're sensitive to that, and we allow the Holy Spirit that lives within us to come alongside another believer and join with them, uh, the Bible talks about it, where there's two or three gathered together in his name, he'd be right in the middle. Where two of us should agree is touching anything in Jesus' name, it would be done of our Father in heaven. There's power in that, in that agreement, in that coming together. If one put a 1,000 to flight, two would put 10,000 to flight. So ultimately, it comes back to us, that's part of our ministry, to one another, in fellowship and discipleship. And then, the third facet to ministry is that we, and no, this is not on those points. sorry Simon, I'm, I'm not on the third. <laughs> I'm still on what is ministry. i got to get done today, y'all, so let's put it in overdrive and get there. The third thing that we owe in ministry is to minister to the world. Now, are we ministering to the world as far as the planet Earth? No, that's not necessarily the way it is. It's talking about the people in the planet. That's whenever it said, for God so loved the world, okay? People take that as he, God was green, okay? No, God, God cared about people, okay? Now, ultimately, this planet is here for us. It's for our benefit. And, and truthfully, I know that this is not a message that, that would be popular in that green culture today, but the earth is better because of us not worse because you look at it this way whenever the lord gave the the promised land to the israelites he didn't just run everybody out of it he said you're going to take it step by step and little by little and i'm going to leave the people that are occupying it there right now why because otherwise they'd grow up and just be weeds and bushes and brambles He was allowing the other people to occupy it until the children of Israel occupied it. So that's proof this world is cursed. Okay? Going to bring forth thorns and thistles. That was the whole thing right there. This, This whole thing is broken. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with each other is broken. Our relationship with the earth and everything in the earth is broken. And there's coming a day, I hate to tell you this, but this earth is going to be destroyed. And it's not by holding hole in the ozone. Amen? So as I heard somebody say it not too long ago, go ahead and spray your hair, kill a deer, walk on the grass, whatever it is. Ultimately, it's going to be destroyed. And God's going to remake it, and it's going to be brand new. Amen? Some of you are looking at me funny. <laughs> again that doesn't go along with today's uh culture but it's it's the way it is so in this world we're not ministering to the earth itself but we are ministering to the people that are in the world system those that don't know christ so we minister to the lord in praise and worship we minister to each other in discipleship and fellowship we minister to people that are in this world without reaching evangelism In other words, that we have to be an evangel. Sometimes evangelism, that word scares people. It's like, ooh, I don't know if I can be involved in that. Yes, as long as you're talking about him, you're an evangel. Amen? You're proclaiming his word. Again, back to how we see him. If he's awesome, if he's magnificent, if he's wonderful, if he's all that, then why wouldn't we be talking about him? Why wouldn't we tell somebody that doesn't know him about a different way of living about a different way of doing things You don't have to live the way you're living. You don't have to do the things you're doing There's a different way. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about him. That's being an evangel Right there So ultimately it comes down to this. So that's that's what ministry is But for far too long the church has looked at it like well, we've got a minister I don't have to be involved in ministry. No, we're all called to be ministers and we're all given that ministry of reconciliation. We just read it, Second Corinthians there. And, and it's, it's equated to this. How many of you have ever watched a football game? Yeah, it's Southeast Texas. You can go ahead and you can lift your hand up a little higher. How many of you have ever watched a football game? And how many of you have ever watched the Dallas Cowboys play? And, and how many of you have ever watched a Super Bowl? And, and how many of you know it's been a long time since Dallas Cowboys were in a Super Bowl? I'm sorry but here's the deal a few years back the Super Bowl set records about how many people watched it anybody know what that number was back just a few years ago last year was not a record setting year for the NFL Super Bowl just a few years ago 111 million people tuned in 111 million people tuned in to see a football game and how many of you know how many players were on each team that were on the field? 11, yes. And the other team had how many players on the field? And how many players did they have on the roster? 53. And how many did the other team have on the, on the roster? 53. So that's a total. If my math and skills don't, don't fail me, that's 106 people a hundred and six people doing something and a hundred and eleven million watching them. Somebody tell me what the percentage is. Less than one millionth of one percent that we're doing something. And that's kind of the way ministry has been in the church. Well, we've got a minister and he does the ministry. And God says, no, 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 that's not what I had planned. We just read it paul says that we have been we that would be us that would be you and I Together all of us that are believers in christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation so ultimately Even if we're just cheerleaders Even if we're just there on the edge of the field watching somebody else do so i'm a big firm believer in cheerleaders. Amen I think we all need cheerleaders I think there needs to be somebody in everybody's corner that says you can do this you got this come on one more step I know you don't feel like it, but you can do it. Take one more step go one more step go one more step And you know what? If we've got somebody like that in our corner, we're gonna take one more step You look at the Apostle Paul Barnabas when nobody else would accept the Apostle Paul Barnabas was the man that was there Paul been persecuting the church responsible for several deaths we know that he had several men and women it says thrown into prison because of their belief in Christ and then all of a sudden he's on his way to persecute them a little bit further and the Lord knocks him off his donkey and blinds him for three days and all of a sudden his view of the world is changed literally and figuratively and all of a sudden he's a believer and then he wants to do something for the Lord. So, hey, I know I just persecuted you all. I know your, your, your dad was Stephen back there, a deacon, Chad. And I just had him stoned to death. But hi, I'm Paul, and I'd like to tell you about Jesus. You see how she's reacting to me? I'm sure that's kind of how Stephen's daughter would have reacted, except she'd have probably been scratching my eyes out. No, 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 I ain't falling for this trick, Paul. Saul, whatever your name is. Amen. I mean, he changed his name, so you you just got to give him a hard time all the way around. We were talking about that Wednesday night. How would you have felt? What would have been your reaction to somebody that had somebody that you love killed just because they proclaimed Christ? What if somebody broke through that door right now and said, every believer in here, imprison them until they recant their belief in Christ, and if not, we'll take them all the way to death. I don't know about you. I'd feel warm and fuzzy toward them, right? No, no. If you said yes, that's a wrong answer. <laughs> we would be mad at them. So he comes back nobody wants to believe him. No, Everybody thinks he's, oh man, he's pulling the biggest con there's ever been here. He just wants to infiltrate the church and find out who really is a believer. And then he's going to drop the hammer so nobody would have anything to do with him so the church is kind of standing off from him and they look around say who's going to try this guy on for size how many of you remember the life cereal commercial from years ago you try it no i ain't trying it no let mikey try it he likes everything i ain't you try him no 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 i ain't gonna try him you try him hey let's let barnabas try him. barnabas likes everybody and in case you didn't believe that, you know what Barnabas means in the original language, what his name meant? Son of encouragement. Hello. How would you like that to be your name everywhere you went? Hello, son of encouragement. I mean, it'd be hard for you to walk in the work line. So he had to be an upbeat person. He had to believe somebody, be somebody that believed in other people. In other words, he had to be the cheerleader he had to be the balcony person how many of you know what a balcony person is they're the person that's in the balcony balcony saying you can do it yep cheerleader in the biggest sense of things so Barnabas was Paul's cheerleader if it hadn't been for him and and as I've told you many times cheerleaders don't often they're not the ones that finish strong but they're the ones that help the ones that finish strong finish because if you look at the book of acts one of the things that has always stood out to me it goes from barnabas and them to barnabas and paul to paul and barnabas and paul and them so barnabas goes from the limelight to not even being lit starts out with barnabas and them barnabas and paul paul and barnabas paul and them so what he did was help somebody else be a star and sometimes i think our our motives are always wrong we ask what's in it for me if the lord impresses you to encourage somebody encourage them because you never know what that's going to mean in the scheme of things whenever the lord impresses you to call somebody and say hey i was just thinking about you just wanted to know i was lifting you up praying for you do it because you never know what that little bit of cheerleading that little bit of encouragement is going to mean to somebody they could have woke up and it'd been the worst day of their life and and you don't know anything about it it's just that the holy spirit prompted you to call prompted you to encourage them a little bit and we've got to we got to be attuned to that we got to listen. And sometimes we say, oh, I'd like to. Or, yeah, I thought of that, but then something else came up. Hey, when the Holy Spirit impresses you, I cannot tell you how many phone calls I've made driving down the road. Tell them a phone, call so-and-so. If I don't get them, I'll leave a message. Hey, I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you and praying for you. Because sometimes I'm going to tell you something. If you're having a really bad day and somebody calls you and says, praying for you, You can do this They may not have any idea what it's about But you do and the lord does and the lord used them to be your barnabas To be your balcony person to be your cheerleader And so we we've got to get out off the sidelines and into the balconies and get our pom-poms going I look like a pom-pom don't I (laughs) so Second thing we got to do is a mandate for ministry and I'm gonna zip through this because I'm, I'm way too far along Time-wise and w- too little along on my message We got a mandate for ministry in the Old Testament times there was you had to go to the minister You had to go to the priest if you if you had a problem you went to the priest uh, Even even so much so that if you had a health problem you went to the priest they diagnosed things that were wrong, whether you had to be quarantined or not. You had all these things. Uh, If you were in need, you went to see the priest, and he would see what he could do to meet your needs. If you sinned, you had to go to the priest and tell him what you did. How many of you glad it's not that way anymore? Because we got a high priest that's named Jesus, and we can go to him directly. So whenever you brought your offerings, you went to see the priest. Whenever you had, had a problem, you went to see the priest. and and whatever it was so ultimately it comes down to this that jesus has become our high priest and then what he did was he allows us to be a part of that in that the high priest always had priests that were under him and this is what it says in first peter uh first peter chapter two it says you're a chosen people you're a royal priest you're a holy nation god's very own possession so you can show others the goodness of god For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light Once you had no identity, but now you are god's possession So we're called to be a part of that Jesus is the high priest. We're the priests that serve under him And so he has given us that great responsibility of going out and talking to people about him and telling people about him So we've got that mandate that is part of our job If you will of what we're supposed to do as a believer. We got a model for ministry and that's the next one. we got a model for ministry. Jesus gives us the model of everything that we're supposed to do and, and how we're supposed to do it. In Matthew chapter 20, Mama Zebedee, that's, that's uh, Mr. Zebedee's wife, and the, the mother to John and James. And you remember uh, we talked about the, the three that were in Jesus' inner circle, Pete, Jim, and Johnny, Peter, James, and John, sometimes people call them. But you know how it is. If you've got a friend, you've usually got a nickname or a shortened version of their name or something that you call them. So Pete, Jim, and Johnny. And, and Jim and Johnny, their mama went to Jesus and says, I would like to ask you one little bitty, insy-binsy, teeny-weeny little thing. Oh, okay, Miss Zebedee, what is it? I'm asking you that whenever you come into your kingdom, that w- my sons, one be on your left hand and one be on your right hand are you kidding? I mean, that's, that's what, you know, that's, that's the, the paraphrase edition. Jesus said, are you kidding me? You don't even know what you're asking for. He said, my father's already predetermined that and Jesus already knew that he was going to be at the right hand of the father. So who's in the left hand seat? God the father. Okay, Jesus at the right hand of the father. So to his left is God the father. So he can't give that seat away. How many of you know that? Okay, it's not even his. He said, you don't even know what you're asking for. I can't give that. I can't, that's not mine to give. But he goes on and tells her and he says, ultimately it's like this in the kingdom of God. He said, the one that wants to be the greatest needs to be the servant. The one that does the, the most to help other people, to minister to other people, that's the one that's going to be greatest in the kingdom. How many of you know that the, the, the system of heaven doesn't work like it does on this earth? This earth says if you want to get ahead, if you want to be the chief, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be the the president, the CEO, whatever it is, you got to step on a lot of people and you got to climb the ladder. It doesn't matter who you step on to get there. That's what the world system says. Fact is, that's what a lot of people do in this world. They step on people. How many of you know, when you look at what's happening in government right now and you look at what's happening in in the, the corporate world right now, I told my wife, I wouldn't last a minute in that kind of stuff. Because I, I try, I don't always 100% succeed, but I try to do things the right way. Try to be honest and, and sincere and, and tell the truth and all that kind of stuff. And man, in, in the world system, that don't get you very far. But in, in the kingdom's system, they get you real far. And that's what he's saying. I'll, I'll never forget I heard a guy saying that he'd been in the corporate world for many many years and He was an older guy then and he said all my life. He said I have climbed the ladder And he said I look back on my life and I have stepped on people I've hurt people's feelings. I've done things that were maybe a little underhanded and he said I climbed the ladder And he said the only problem was when I got to the top I realized it was leaning on the wrong building And what we've got to do is realize we got to have our ladder leaning on the right building and that's Jesus Christ, the way He wants it done, the way he, he asks us to do things. So it's in in the in the kingdom system. It's whoever does the most to serve other people, to minister to other people. That's going to be the greatest. Jesus, whenever in John chapter thirteen, just before He is about to die for our sins, for the sins of those disciples that were with Him, the night before He takes and give me a foot give me a foot yeah I'd get down on one knee but then you couldn't see what I was doing and so he washes the disciples feet and you think about that for a minute here is the king of kings and the lord of lords and he wraps himself in a towel and gets a pan of water and he's washing the disciples feet and I've thought about it a million times if I'd be just like Peter was. Lord, you ain't washing my feet. Because I couldn't take it. You think about what Jesus was doing. And Peter said, if I don't wash you, uh, Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part in me. And so I thought about it again. I thought, hey, I'd be like Peter. Then wash me from head to toe. Because <laughs> I want a part in you. And so, ultimately, what it comes down to is Jesus was giving us that example. So, that is our, our model of ministry, that we are servants, that we are ministers to everybody. That we don't need to build ourselves up and, and, and make something of ourselves that we're not. We need to humble ourselves and serve where we can, whatever it calls for. In and, and Matthew 25, he's talking about the sheep and the goats. And he says, you know, whenever... Welcome into the kingdom because when I was hungry you fed me and I was naked and you clothed me and I was I was in jail and you came to see me And, and you know, uh, they said when did we do all that? And he said whenever you've done it unto the least You've done it unto me That has been the catalyst for me helping a lot of people As I have told you I've I've bought Jesus cheeseburgers I bought Jesus sandwiches. I bought Jesus tires. I've given Jesus a lot of gas through the years. Because I go out of my way if somebody comes to me and says I need something, I don't ever ask them their name. Because whenever I fill up their tank or put a tire on their car or I give them a sandwich, when they're driving away, I just wave and say, Jesus, I hope you enjoy your sandwich. Jesus, I hope you enjoy that tire and it gets you where you're going. I hope that gas gets you as far down the road as it possibly can. Why? Because I don't want to be doing it to that person. I look at it as I'm doing it to the Lord. And I'm not telling you that to beat my chest and say I'm always doing the right thing. There's sometimes whenever the the flesh guy comes over and says, why don't you get a job just like everybody else? (laughs) And I beat him down. I beat him down. And I say, don't don't think that way because ultimately it comes down to this. When you've done it unto the least, you've done it unto Jesus. Amen? So that's our mandate for ministry, our model for ministry, and the only thing that we've got left to do is to multiply ministry. Um, Jesus said it this way. It's in John chapter 14 he says he that believes in me the works that I do shall he do also in greater works than I do shall he do because I'm going to the Father. What what is that all about? It's because he's going to give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. The reason that we're able to do what Jesus did and beyond is because he he says I'm going to the Father and I'm going to pray that he would send you the Holy Spirit and he'll abide with you forever. Now how many of you feel like you've done greater miracles and things than jesus me either so what's the explanation for that if he said we do greater things than he could do then why not he tells us he explains it really if we look at in john chapter 13 he says "I, i say unto you the servant is not greater than the lord and neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him so does it seem like he's being contrary in those two statements we're going to do greater things than him but the servant's not greater than the master so how does this all make sense how do we multiply ministry because it's apparent we're not doing the things that jesus did so it's got to be rather than the expanse of it it's the scope of it and it's the fact that well if you look at matthew 16 Jesus said, who do people say I am? Some of them said, well, some of them say you're a prophet. Some of them say you're Elijah. Some of them say you're Jeremiah. Come back to life. Some some even say you're John the Baptist. Come back to life because at this time, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And he said, well, that's what people say. What do you say about me? Everybody's pretty quiet except for Peter. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, up to this point, that had been a closed revelation. Nobody really knew that. Nobody had voiced that opinion. And Jesus brags on him and says, you're blessed, Simon Peter, because man hasn't revealed this to you, only the Father in heaven. So you're blessed because you've heard from heaven. You know who I really am. And because of your confession of faith, I'm going to call you the pebble." Peter okay sometimes we say Peter was the rock but if you look at the original language and what that means it means a a small rock or a pebble so bam bam wasn't in on the picture but pebbles was okay and he says Peter I because you've made that profession of faith I'm gonna call you pebble and he goes on and he says that because uh, because of that confession that profession of faith that the kingdom would grow and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it now there's some branches in our family tree that say he was giving peter all the authority that peter was the first pope that peter was the all this he's got the keys to death hell and the grave and all that kind of stuff and jesus tells him, whatever you bind on earth bound in heaven whatever you bind on in heaven is bound on earth and vice versa but ultimately it comes down to this that the way that we're going to make the difference and this is what multiplies our ministry is because Peter confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord and because I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and because you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you do and you and you and you that all together all together all of us little rocks all of us little pebbles put together and cemented by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we can accomplish more than Jesus. He said that's, wh- that's why he, what he was talking about. Greater things than I do shall you do because I'm going to the Father. Why? Because we needed the Holy Spirit to be able to cement us together. And it's not the expanse of it. It's not that we're all doing greater things than Jesus. It's that we all together have the power to accomplish so many great things if we just realize it. If we just realize that if we will bind together and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, that we can accomplish things that are so far beyond what we've ever accomplished because Jesus gave us the power. And what we've got to do is allow the Holy Spirit to cement us together and let our will drop to the bottom because that's what separates that's what divides us. So what we've got to do is realize that we've got a mandate for ministry. To minister to the Lord in praise and worship. To come in here and sing songs with our whole heart and not hold back, but to pour ourselves out before the Lord as an offering. To not be ashamed to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I know what you did for me. I know that without you, I was lost and undone and headed for hell. My sin was so big that somebody had to die for it. Thank you for taking my place. To minister to each other in in fellowship and discipleship, that we just, uh, yes, I I haven't arrived, and I'm telling y'all, when when we get together and study, that's discipleship, I still learn things, and I've read that Bible through so many times, I can't even count it anymore. Why? Because it's a living word. And it's important that we encourage one another, that we're balcony people for one another, and then that we go out to this lost and dying world in evangelism and outreach. And somebody has to tell them. How shall they hear unless somebody preach it and send them? They, some of them have never heard, and you may find that strange, but you know what? I'm proof of it. I was in my early 20s living just like here in the bu- a buckle of the Bible belt. It wasn't just in the Bible belt. It was in the buckle, and I promise you, I had never truly heard who Jesus was. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. Somebody's got to tell him. Somebody's got to be sent. Somebody's got to go. And so that's our mandate, is to be that minister. Again, if we go back to the definition, what is a minister? It's somebody who's a servant, an attendant, or one who executes the commands of another. You know what? The Lord's given us some things to do while we're here. We've got to get busy. Time is, time is growing so short. So, if you're here today, and maybe you've never been introduced to Jesus, maybe you've never heard about him, maybe you've never known who he was, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name, not going to call you up front. But guess what? I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, again, not going to embarrass you, not going to call you up front. But if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've never met the Lord, never never got to know Him like you're talking about knowing Him, but I want to. I am here this morning, and I see what He did for me. I see that my sin meant somebody had to die. And thank goodness He took my place. If that's you this morning, and you say... I want to begin that relationship. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to leave your seat. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but just so I'll know who I'm praying with, if you say, that's me, I need to make something right with the Lord today, would you just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying with? Maybe you've made that commitment before, and maybe you've just kind of walked away from it or kind of grown cold with it. And you say, I need to renew that today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. If you raised your hand, or maybe you need to raise your hand and you didn't, you can pray something like this. You know, it's not about a formula. It's not about a recipe. It's about a relationship. And the way you start that relationship is just something like this. Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring enough about me that you provided a way that I would not have to go to hell, but that I could go to heaven. So today, I accept your gift of salvation. And I know that that comes through Jesus Christ. So Lord Jesus, I know what you did for me. You took my place. You died for my sin so that I could go free. And I thank you for doing that. So I give my heart and my life to you. Would you please accept it? And would you change me? Would you help me to look a whole lot less like me and a whole lot more like your dear son, Jesus? Would you come into my heart and into my life because I need you? Would you forgive my sin? And would you help me to live better? So I thank you for saving me. I thank you for leading me and guiding me and directing me by the Holy Spirit. Would you please fill me with that Holy Spirit? And I thank you for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed something like that, guess what? You are a citizen of heaven. You've you've changed your path. You are now on your way to heaven. And the Lord is on your side, amen. (laughs) So that's worth a hand clap. (laughs) Amen.